1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that, wind, that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The second reading is from Matthew 7, uh, verse 24 to 29. It is on page 980. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the flood came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and grew was the fall of it. And sorry, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Thank you, Mona. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. Let me add my welcome. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Uh, how about we just pray? Heard from you just heard uh, your word to us this morning and Father, we pray that this would not fall on deaf ears. 
uh, that you might impress this on our minds and our hearts and we might be changed by it. Uh, We pray that your spirit will work profoundly amongst us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, Charles Spurgeon, does anyone know who Charles Spurgeon is? An old Baptist minister from another era. He said, the half-committed Christian is the most miserable person on earth. He's just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God, and he's just enough into God to be miserable in the presence of the world. Do you agree? It's pretty insightful, isn't it? Most miserable person in the world. Well, can I say, Psalms 1 and 2 want us not to be miserable, but to be happy, to be blessed. And he wants us to be blessed in the Lord, and he wants us to live, not half in the world, half out, not miserable, but to be, to be truly blessed in the, in the true, true sense. Uh, and as Tom said, we are starting this new series, and, you know, Psalms is kind of like a songbook uh, of the book of Israel, and it's a prayer book of our church, and uh, the Psalms, like all songs, they kind of express truths in ways that we'd feel it. I don't know if you felt that when we read it out. It's more than just knowing different truths, but use images and poetry so that we would feel it, uh, we would embrace it, and it would we'd delight in these truths, and it would impact all our lives. Uh, as Tom has said, these two Psalms were put at the beginning uh, kind of to introduce us to the whole psalm books, this whole Psalter it's called, and, and it's to be the lens into which we're to get into the psalms, it's to be the gateway in which we're to kind of uh, read the whole psalms and enter. And I don't know if you felt, but the difference between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 seems huge, doesn't it? You've kind of got this nice reflection on, you know, the way of the righteous one who delights in God's word, and then you've got this kind of ragey, angsty... <laughs> Uh, aggravated Psalm 2 of the, you know, the, the, the righteous, the world against the Messiah and his anointed one. Uh, they feel very different, but they're actually about the same idea. Did you notice uh, at the start there, the verbal brackets, verse 1, blessed is the man, introducing chapter 1, <clears throat> Psalm 1, and he ends, in the end of chapter 2, have your Bibles open there, blessed are all who take refuge in him. So he's talking about the blessed one and the blessed people, those who are blessed. Uh, And the psalmist, these two psalms, just like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, begins with describing the blessed ones. You know, the the happy one, the one who's delighted in joy. Uh, And I take it like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where we ended up with our New Testament reading, the psalm ends in a warning too, a, a warning about two different approaches to life, uh, two very different ways of life. Uh, you know, the way of the wise one, the wise builder built his house on the rock, that was the person who built their life on Jesus' word, or the foolish one, in, in Jesus' words, is one who ignores his words. Uh, here, we've got the same contrast. Uh, have a look at the He wants us to avoid a way that leads to destruction uh, and choose a way of life that leads to blessing and happiness. Have a look in 1 verse 6, where he ends up. I'll start at 5. Therefore, the 
judgment nor sins in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way will perish. Or, chapter 2, therefore, kings, verse 10, be, and O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and trembling, rejoice in him. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. See, there's a clear challenge for us. What is the way of What is the path that you are taking? Is it the way of blessing and happiness and the, the truly blessed life in Jesus? Or is it the way of the wicked and the foolish? And uh, what we choose has massive eternal consequences, doesn't it? Whether we're blessed here, now and forever for eternity or not. So... Live the truly blessed life? Well, the answer is, he's got two answers. One, the blessed way, the blessed life is to delight. Psalm 1. And Psalm 2, the blessed way, the blessed life is to submit to God's Son and take refuge in Him. That's the two answers. There's the two ways that he wants for the blessed life. Now, we're going to focus on Psalm 1 because we don't have time to jump in and go through all the detail. Uh, but I'm, I'm just wanting, it's just a rich, beautiful piece that uh, we can j- jump into. And partly the reason why I just chose chapter 1 is because Psalm 2 feels a little bit like Joel 3. I don't know if you remember from last week. I feel like Psalm 2 and Joel 3, they're kind of reflecting the same thing, but we're going to look at Psalm 1. Okay, so the blessed way is to delight in God's Word. Have a look at it. starts in the negative. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Uh, Firstly, do we notice there that there is an assumption of conflict in life? There's an assumption of a conflict between these two ways of life that he wants to warn us about. Uh, And in fact, the whole psalm talks about this conflict. There's the world who's turned against its creator and lives in conflict and against him. And there's a song sheet that it sings from. And for many, it can be easy to go along with. But he says the blessed person is the one who does not walk, stand or sit in the company of those who are opposed to the things of God. And so he's saying the blessed life is to actually wise up, uh, to be aware of this reality. I don't think he means kind of be a hermit, you know, and uh, put your fingers in your ears and don't talk with anyone that doesn't know God or follow Jesus. Uh, he, but I think he, what he's saying is assess every action, thought, worldview through the filter of God's word. And do you notice the, the progression in, in this man? You know, it's, it's not from what he thinks to how he acts, but it's actually from how he acts to how he thinks. You, do you notice it's from walking to standing to sitting. It's not the other way around. I think I would have assumed it was the other way around. And I think he's doing it this way because he's describing the journey of assimilation, the journey of how one slowly gets drawn away from God uh, and into the world, to the, the wicked one. And I think that's because he's just got insight into how we work, I think. I don't know if you've had people whom you know who were Christian who have walked away. Uh, I've there's a person, Lani, that's not her name, uh, but family, 
had a strong love for God and love for uh, his people. Uh, she taught our kids, Mary and I's kids, about Jesus. Uh, but over a few years, she was um, reading and as the whole same-sex relationship thing came up, and she was reading about it and kind of going, what, what does God actually say on this? Uh, and she ended up being persuaded that the Bible endorses it, endorses same-sex relationships, that you can love Jesus and be in a same-sex relationship. Uh, and then what happened after she decided that is, well, she actually began a relationship. Uh, and so she, what that meant was she left our church that we were part of uh, and went to one that was approving of this way of life. And now, a couple of years later, I'm not even sure if she's in church. Uh, I, I think it's just an example of what happens. There's, there's a way of life, a way of walking, that you think, oh, I wonder, you know, that looks enticing. And, you know, there's a cultural shift in our world at the moment, isn't there? Huge shift. You know, 30 years ago, we wouldn't have, in our marriage um, debate, I wonder whether we would ever landed where we did, but we've had a massive shift And I think the reflection is, is it because we have a greater uh, and a closer engagement with God's word that we have changed our thinking on this? Or is it because the cultural powers, the shifts around us have actually changed how we think about this? And we can feel this tension, can't we? I I feel it all the time, what the world says is wise and what God says is wise. And the psalmist wants us to ask ourselves, who has your ear? Who, who are you listening to? Who is it that you find hard to resist shaping your values and your worldview and your thoughts? See, every day, every moment is a battle of ideas, isn't it? There's a music sheet, a song sheet that the world is singing and it's strong, it's alluring and it's coming at us 24-7. You know, whether it's in your songs, your music, your podcasts your Netflix series, whatever it is, it, ha- it has a message that it's telling you. Uh, and the warning for the psalmist is, be aware. Don't be seduced by it. Don't blindly just run with everything everyone says. Open your eyes and read and hear everything through the lens of the Bible, uh, not the other way around. Don't think, oh, everyone's saying this, I wonder if the Bible says this. Think, oh, everyone's saying this, how does it match with God? I don't know if I had this growing up as a kid um, where I'd get in trouble for doing something stupid, which was often. Um, and, and my dad would say, why, you know, why'd you do that? I said, because oh, my friends told me, you know. And I, you know exactly what he's going to say to me next, don't you? What's he going to say to me next? If... Your friends told you to jump off a bridge. Yeah. If your friends told you... told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? And the answer is... <laughs> Depends how many and how, you know, whether there's water at the bottom. No, uh, and the answer is no. Uh, but the, the logic, you say now I'm finding, I'm saying that to my kids, it's so funny how that works, but, but the logic is those who are around you, uh, be aware. Just because your friends say so doesn't mean it's good, true and right uh, and have your ear to be to God. So the blessed one is the one who... Uh, is aware of the battle and, and rejects the mindset and those who, but um, doesn't give in to it. But verse 2, with a massive contrast here, his delight, the blessed one's delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord. 
and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, the blessed one finds his delight, his joy, his uh, satisfaction uh, in the law of the Lord. You notice that's on both lines there, the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord. It, the law of the Lord dominates this person. Uh, he's, I heard it said he's an ultimate uh, law nerd, uh, he's law obsessed and he's a law binge watcher. He's a Bible nerd. Uh, now, does that seem a bit weird to you? Are you thinking, hang on, what do you, what do you mean the law? Uh, he's not just referring to commandments of God. Uh, you know, the law just means in Hebrew, Torah, uh, which is the first five books of the Bible. Uh, but really, that encompasses the whole salvation story, the whole story of God acting in creation through the fall and redemption. Uh, and for the original hearers, that was their redemption out of Egypt and all God had done for them. For us, it's our redemption from sin and slavery and what Jesus has done for us. So he's talking about re rejoicing in the whole Bible, the whole story of God's work in his world and his goodness to us. And he tells us to meditate on it day and night. To meditate. It's not just to kind of read and tick a box, but it's kind of the idea of chewing over to, um, to mulling on, to thinking, to engaging, uh, to giving time, to, to letting it sink in, uh, letting it change our thoughts and our actions. And it impacts what we love and what we hate and how we feel. See, Christian meditation isn't kind of Eastern, you know, where the aim is to empty your mind. No, Christian meditation is about filling your thoughts and your heart and life with God's thoughts. Uh, this idea of meditation is why I take it in the context we're in, is why church is so important. <laughs> it's why together after one anothering, meditating, reflecting, engaging with it, asking what happened, what does it mean for you. It's why our time together in small groups is so important uh, because together we meditate, we wrestle with God's word, we analyse our own assumptions, we let other people say, hang on, is that what God assumes or is that the world or where have you got that thought from? And we question the world's wisdom in light of the scriptures. And gosh, it is so useful and helpful to do that together, to meditate in God's word. And it's truly the blessed one because as they meditate in God's word, they have clarity around what things are from God and what things are not. And they, uh, they, they we get this powerful picture uh, in verse 3, which uh, we've already heard a little bit in the, the kids' talk, verse 3. It says, This person, he's, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What a, what a beautiful picture of the blessed, the wise, the happy person. I, I just picture, never been there, but you know the Middle East desert scenes I've seen in on movies, uh, this arid land, and then there's this oasis with a, a, like a river running through, and there's these big trees uh, growing with deep roots. And it's a picture of stability, of firmness, of uh, uh, security, but not just that, but kind of vitality too, uh, with kind of growth and fruit and leaves pouring off it. I, I take it... Uh, the, the water there, in context of verse 2, is the, the streams of water are the words of God. 
And I think he's painting the picture that if, you, if you're the one who meditates on the Word of God, you won't just survive, but you will thrive. You'll actually be able to go through life in a, in a way like this tree. Um, Miri, my wife, loves indoor plants. Uh, we have them everywhere in our house, and um, they just keep creeping everywhere. Like, I've got one now on the bedside table. It's Anyway, anyway, that's not to the point. Um, when, we, when we came back from our holidays... Uh, we had two weeks away, we walked in and the plants were just shriveled. Like, it, I, you know, like they just looked like, like they were just like sad and sorry and it was, it was just really like, you know, like, wow, look at that. Like it looks just so sad and sorry and shriveled up and drooped over. They just needed a drink. Uh, I think that's like the spiritual life, isn't it? We, when we starve ourselves from God's word... No wonder we feel dry, shriveled up, joyless, uh, not having stability and growth to go through life. Everything seemed harder. We just need some water. We just need some of that water of the Word of God to us. But I think this tree image is not just in the root, is not just in the water, but it's in the, the images in the roots as well, I think. It's, it's the substance uh, of God's Word that washes over our lives, that gives us deep foundations to go through life. And I take that to mean, you know, like God's Word gives us deep truths that actually root us, that bring us stability. Uh, and things like, you know, as humans who are we, we're made in God's image, uh, we're fallen but in Jesus, we're saved and we're a child of God. Can I say those few realities, if you believe them, trust them, can give you such a, a stability and rootedness that you can go through life and whatever storms you get thrown out your way, it won't toss you because you know these realities to be true about you. I think that's what he means by this tree picture. And I take it that's what we want for our kids, don't we? Well, out there right now, we want them to be hearing about Jesus so their roots are going deeper, so that whatever their schoolmates and classmates throw at them, they can know that in God they will truly prosper. Uh, it's interesting at the end of the tree image that we're told that whatever the wise, the blessed person do, who delights in God's words, prospers. Did you pick that up there? In verse 3 there, in all that he does, he prospers. Uh, he's not talking, I take it, about you know, prosperity, gospel, material wealth and health. But the question for us is, how does this image actually fit in with our reality? How does it fit in with our world? And does it? See, for many of us, the path of the world seems safe, wise and blessed. Uh, you can be successful and secure and happy. And yet the path of Jesus seems weak and far from the blessed life. Yet the reality is, the psalmist says... Although that might appear like that, the reality is the exact opposite. And I think that's the tension that the whole Psalms wrestles with. Uh, and it's the tension we have to wrestle with now as we live in faith in God's Word to us. See, the only person to have ever completely lived this out, Psalm 1, is Jesus. And though we might delight in God's Word, uh, we drink from other waters too. And we fall short of this ideal. But even if you think about the shape of Jesus' life and the shape of his prospering, what did it look like? Someone who truly meditated on God's word? 
It was not wealth and health and happiness. Uh, He didn't have a place to lay his head. He ended up dying the death of a criminal. But did he live the blessed, the truly happy and delightful way? I think by all measures you could say he did in spite of this world that he lived in and and what his life looked like. I see we live in this world of tension, uh, which what appears to be true and what actually true seem to be in conflict. I think that's later on why in Psalm 73, you've got the psalmist crying out, why is it that the wicked always prosper? But on the other hand, we see Jesus and we know he's the righteous one. And so we want to work out what does it look like to live in this tension? And the psalmist wants to bring us a sense of reality as in what is the path of the wicked lead to? And what is the opposite to the the tree, this blessed one? Well, verse 4, it says, The wicked are not so but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Isn't that a... I'd think of sawdust. You know, this gets in your eyes, any tiny little bit of wind, it just blows around, nothing. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Back to the, the wicked, they had appearance of wisdom. Their, their way of life seemed so enticing, uh, so wise and so solid and permanent and influential. But the reality is, the psalmist wants to say, is that it's, it's hollow, it's insubstantialist. It's powerless to even withstand the lightest of winds. It's rootless and weightless and is blown away by every wind. Uh, and in the end, this person does not prosper in their rebellion because ultimately, you have a look there, when everything's stripped back and laid bare, the reality will be shown of what their life will be made visible. And that's where we get the conclusion in verse 5 and 6. He says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The ultimate reality for the wicked who seem so influential, now they won't even be able to stand on that judgment day. They seem so influential, so persuasive, lure away from God, but now they're absent from the heavenly church. See, the blessed way is ultimately the way that Jesus walked. And he walked as the truly blessed person, and it's a path that he lived so that we could follow behind him with God's help of living the blessed life. And it's a path of meditating deeply and delighting on the Word of God. Now, we're not going to jump into Psalm 2 uh, too much, but I do want to point out that you get this picture in Psalm 1 of the, the blessed person who meditates on the Word of God, And then you get to Psalm 2 and you don't find a picture of a better, improved person of you, but you meet the Messiah. You meet the promised one. Uh, You meet this Jesus uh, of Psalm 2, who Psalm 2 is all about. And see, Psalm 2 ends where Psalm 1 begins with the happy, the blessed life. Uh, In in verse 10, he says, Now there, be warned of the rules of the earth, Serve the Lord with fear and trembling. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. See, the key factor to this blessed life for Psalm 2 is kissing the Son, where happiness is found. And I take it that's because as you reflect, ponder and meditate on God's Word... That's where, that is the person we meet. We meet Jesus. 
we meet this one where all blessings and happiness is truly met and found. And I think that's because all of Scripture leads and finds its fulfilment in Jesus, this true blessed one. And so the key and wise way is through the Word of God to meet Jesus and to submit to this person and uh, to submit to him. See, it's not like Psalm 1, there's one way of blessing, is through meditating on God's Word, and Psalm 2, it's about submitting. I think actually it's Psalm 2 unpacks Psalm 1. Are you with me? Some people are, some people aren't. Uh, so they're not two different ways. It's, it's Psalm 2 is kind of unpacking Psalm 1, I think, and it's actually that the Word of God points us and directs us to the risen Lord Jesus. Now, resurrection, uh, when Paul, who's preaching on this, uh, he declares that Jesus is this Psalm 2 king. He is the divine king, the son of the father, and he's now ruling in heaven. And ultimately, he says that this event, uh, this single event in our history, is why we can have such confidence of our blessing and happiness in Jesus. He says in Acts 17, uh, he says, the times of ignorance that God times of ignorance God now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given us assurance to all by raising him from the dead see the the psalmist blessed way is to take refuge in Jesus to take refuge in this man the the reality is there's no refuge from him there's only refuge in him. There's no refuge from God. There's only refuge in him, in God. And he is the one who in history has risen from the dead. Now, I want to finish here. And I want to finish and say there's, there's two ways that are held out to us in Psalm 1 and 2. Two ways. One way of the blessed, happy life and one way of the wicked life. And we, he wants us to choose. Which way will you walk, stand or sit? Are you going to sit with the world in its moral vision and, and values or are you going to walk, sit and stand, being rooted in the Word of God, delighting in God, uh, delighting in who you are in Him because uh, He knows us, He knows what's good for us and He wants us to prosper into eternity and ultimately finds its fulfilment for us as we find our refuge in Jesus. So it's a challenge, isn't it? Here you have it. You have the ultimate blessed one, Jesus, who offers us blessing in him. And it's a challenge. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to be the wise or the foolish builder with your life? And he wants to say, come. Come to Jesus and live the blessed life and meet him in his word. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this picture that Psalms gives us. And Father, we pray that we would see our lives and the foolishness of the world around us as it truly is, but that we'd also see the goodness and the, the reality of who Jesus is that we meet in your word. Please work in us that we might be strong and stable, that we might be secure in all that you've done through the Lord Jesus for us and that we might delight in him and that we might live the truly blessed and happy life, that it might bear fruit for your glory. Amen.